Happy Mother's Day, everybody, and welcome to church, all those who are part of Celebration Church and everybody else who's watching here today. We're so glad that you're able to join us. Yeah, happy, part of happy Mother's Day to all the moms. Love to have you with us. Happy Mother's Day. Hope it's special with you. So I'm Dennis, my wife Leslie, and uh, we're just looking forward to encouraging all the families that are taking in this service from home on this Mother's Day. Of course, family life has really changed here in the last while with uh, everything going on with COVID. And, you know, it used to be that we would all go our separate ways. Kids would go to school, mom and dad go to work. Then we'd all come back together at the end of the day and have dinner and talk about our day and kind of celebrate everything that went on, then get ready for the next day. Not anymore. Now we're all at home together all day long. Um, you know, trying to work from home, carrying on school. You're at home. Your neighbors are home. Um, their children are home. So's their dog. I mean, you get the point. Yeah, for sure. And we also want to recognize all the moms because this is really an unusual Mother's Day during this pandemic. And for sure, you know, I really want to acknowledge that it's going to be hard. You know, especially for some who can't see their moms for some reason. If their moms are that are under quarantine, they can't see them. And we also want to honor all the mobs because it's going to be a challenging time right now because on top of everything they do, they've got so many more things to do. So normally the kids would be at school or daycare, but right now at home, they're now they're home trying to teach as well as be mom. And sometimes they're even trying to work from home. So, but also with daycares and school closed and everybody home before the house stayed cleaner when everybody was gone, but uh. now everybody home, the house is going to be dirtier than normal. So it's a, it's a really difficult time. But also, I get it because I work from home and I homeschool for many, many years. And I work from home on the old days on the phone. And so I get all the kids set up with homeschooling, have them all in order. And I'd be on the phone and I have to give hand signals like you, you go over here. <laughs> and trying to work from or home this, yeah. is really difficult. Yeah, just like, you know, pointing to them and I'm trying to arrange work as I'm watching kids. So I get it. It's not easy to juggle all these things. So right now we want to um, just kind of help your moms and we really want to give you some encouragement and we really want to say, hey, you're doing a great job if you're doing all these things from home. But you know, there's been some challenges working from home, but I think I've got a picture of one dad who really figured it out. And so this dad uh, was working from home and this is his solution. Duck take the kids to the floor. Duck take the kids that's, to the floor. That's a great solution. Yeah, of course, the other challenge sometimes with working from home is if you have pets uh, who normally want your attention, and maybe this picture reflects what you're going through. Yeah, so <laughs> we can be going through that, lots of stuff like that. So especially, as we said, we want to honor you during this season that you've been in, this unusual season. And so also it's been challenging in the area of relationships as well. We want to talk about the area of relationships so how do we get along when we're all stuck at home during COVID-19? And I want to say this isn't just for marriage, but also for families that maybe have adult kids at home or their, adult, their grandparents are in the house. Or if you've got roommates in the home and the two of you to, are together. Now, for some people, it's been great. I mean, we've been home a lot together. And it's not all bad. I mean, we've had less rushed in the mornings. Yep. We can enjoy coffee. We've been able to have a real lunch on the deck. Yeah. Um, so there's been some advantages and some of it's good, but it's not perfect. And for a lot of people, they found it's not perfect. There's been a lot of challenges. 
And for a lot of people during COVID-19, it's been a huge challenge. And we really want to acknowledge that and we really want to help you out with that. So one of the things that during COVID-19, being in isolation all day long is like being under a magnifying glass. And I've heard some interview, uh, interviews with some celebrities, how's it going? And they said, oh man, like, you know, they're eating too loud, um, they're complaining that they're breathing too loud, that they are leaving stuff lying around the house when they normally wouldn't notice these kind of things, they're away at work. But I heard a really great idea. It says, come up with an imaginary coworker. And this is a pro tip for couples who are suddenly working together from home. Get yourself an imaginary coworker that you can blame things on. So if you're in an apartment, just say, well, Doris keeps leaving her dirty water cups all over the place, and we really don't know what to do about her. <laughs> so just, that's the solution. If you're having conflict, just blame it on Doris, a coworker. I heard um, Jimmy Fallon, one of his monologues that he was doing on Facebook, and he said something to the effect of, you know, I sure miss watching The Office, and his wife's response was, I sure miss you going to The Office. Um, needless to say, yes, there are relationship challenges during, during this season, but, um, but we want to speak to that. And, you know, the scriptures in Second Peter talk about the importance of getting along uh, with each other. And, and then it wraps up in Second Peter 1.8 where it says, The more that you go on in this way, speaking about getting along with each other, the more you will grow strong spiritually and become fruitful and useful to our Lord Jesus Christ. And so our usefulness to God is actually determined by our ability to get along with others. And so uh, during this time, we want to talk about some relationship savers uh, that we believe will help you. Uh, first one is this, embrace reality, but change your expectations. Embrace reality, but change your expectations. You know, we can't fix or change reality, but you can change your expectations. Expectations actually are the only thing that you can change. And so the question is this, what are those key expectations that, that we need to change at this time? And, and here's really what they are. Stop trying to change people. You know, especially trying to change your spouse, which is often the case. But one of the expectations that we can carry towards people is, you know, that's okay. They have this about them or that about them that bothers me, but that's okay. I'm going to change them. And um, this might be a surprise to you. It might actually even be a disappointment to you, but it's true. And that is that most marital or relational arguments actually cannot be solved. So what do you mean by that? Well, you may have already had uh, disagreements, especially now that you're in, you know, isolation. And all that's happened is it just actually magnified those things. But here's the deal. You can't resolve them. And here's the reason why you can't resolve them. Some of our arguments are actually just rooted in fundamental differences between us. For instance, we can have different personality types. And so, you know, one person likes to file and the other one just likes to pile. And, you know, one person, they, they like every room to look like a, a show home. And the other person doesn't even notice if, you know, socks are lying around on the floor. And one person is constantly on the phone because they're more social and the other person is in isolation and they're kind of enjoying it, you know. We also have different values. 
And so one person might be a spender and the other's a saver. These are, and there's all kinds of different values that we have that can be very different. You know, one person is into health and exercise and the other person just loves pizza and junk food and, and you know, they, they don't really care about all of that. One person likes to, you know, work hard, play later. The other person wants to play now, work later maybe, you know. And, and so we have different values. We also have different likes and dislikes. And that covers everything from food to clothing to decor. The list is endless. Well, instead of fighting over those differences, what we actually need to do is have mutual respect and honor towards each other. Yeah, for sure. But the temptation is to try to turn your spouse or that other person into you. But turning your spouse into you isn't the goal of your relationship. Because they're not, people are not problems to solve or people to change. Relationship differences are not a problem to solve, but rather strengths to embrace and weaknesses to manage. manage. You can't change the person, but you can change. The one thing you can change is your expectations. Mm-hmm. So how do I change my expectations? First of all, expect to make up for what others lack. So you can say, well, they have issues, they have blind spots, I'm frustrated with them. What's the solution then? Really, the, it's to help them in their weaknesses. And Romans 15, 1 and 2 says this. It says, now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those who without, are without strength and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his edification. So we need to accommodate the weaknesses not just criticize them. The Bible says to, to really bear each other's weaknesses. So instead of expecting change in them, expect that you may have to help them. Right. So use your personality and your gifts to help them, not to criticize them. It's just so tempting to criticize them for their weaknesses, but instead use your gifts to help them and not just expect them to be like you and criticize them. So an example of this. Let's say they're forgetful. Put it, be a gentle reminder to them. Put reminders on their phone. You know, or things like anniversaries. Sometimes women complain, well, he forgets my anniversary and I'm not going to help him with that. You know, I don't mind reminding him about the anniversary. I don't mind telling him it's coming up in a week, it's coming up in a few days, and here's a big list of things you can get me. <laughs> I don't mind giving hints. Um, I'm not going to criticize that someone doesn't remember. Or if they're disorganized. Help them create systems. If they're disorganized, instead of just criticizing, say, here's a good spot to put your keys. Help them with that. Not everybody has that organizational strength. Or let's say they lose track of time or they're, they're late. Give them a heads up then when you're going to go somewhere. Instead of just nagging and criticizing and fighting and berating about something, help them to come up with systems. Be that, your, use your strength to help them, just not just criticize them. The other side of this is to be humble. Be humble enough to recognize that you too have weaknesses and to recognize that as well. And while people have their weaknesses, don't forget that they have strengths as well. Let's help them function in their strengths and not just criticize their weaknesses. Absolutely. You know, when it comes to our likes and our dislikes, uh, that's another place where we have to let go of expecting people to change. You know, for instance, my wife is not a fan of vacuuming. That's just not, not her thing. So I do it. It's no big deal. I just put a Harley sticker on the side of the vacuum and away you go. But here's the thing. How dumb would it be for me to have an ongoing argument in our relationship about why she should be okay with doing the vacuuming? 
Instead, it's like, I'll do it. I don't care. And there's other things that she does that I'm glad she does. So I don't expect uh, her to, you know, have to like the things I like. The other thing is, don't expect that everyone should join in or like the things that you like. You know, there can be things that you really like to do and things that you enjoy. And other people in the home, it's like they don't seem to have the same interest in that. Now, I realize there's give and take, but if you hold that as an expectation over them, you're probably going to be frustrated and you're probably going to be disappointed as well. I, I, you know, typically my wife and I will watch movies together and, you know, and whoever picks is fine. And, and that's typically what we do. But there was uh, one time just a couple of weeks ago where I said, okay, you can pick a chick flick. But th this one was a chick flick on steroids. It was like estrogen dripping from the television. It was, it was awful. And so I eventually opted out and I decided, you know what, I'm going to go upstairs and watch something else. I, I, I really, I'm I not it was into this. Women. That's the one. I, I don't know. That's but at any rate, I went upstairs and I watched Formula One racing, and it was like a salvation experience just getting to do that. Um, so, yeah, we don't always have to try and convince our spouses or other members of our family to like our likes. Right. But you know, another way to re reduce stress in our relationships and frustrations is through systems. So many of our disagreements and challenges in the family can be traced back to simply a lack of systems. Without systems in a family, there's chaos and confusion that only frustrates everybody. So many of our systems are born out of problems or born out of these disagreements or mm -hmm. chaos. So when there's chaos and there's fighting, let's look at the systems. Let's look at these stressors or arguments in your family. So if you're finding yourself constantly reminding about something or cajoling or getting upset, let's say everybody leaves and the supper dishes and you just are always nagging about that, you know, you look back and it's because you don't have a system. That's what we found with us. So you can go back to old-fashioned manners. There's etiquette books that talk about old-fashioned manners and old-fashioned manners were just based on systems. So, so old-fashioned manners was no one should get up until the hostess gets up. If you've never taught your kids that one, or no one starts eating till the hostess eats. That's an old-fashioned etiquette, but it's based out of a system that helps. So we, those manners have good purpose. So for us, we had chaos around supper too, like everybody else, and we had disagreements until we came up with a system. So with four boys, we needed a lot of systems, but one of the systems we had was at supper, no one was allowed to get up until mom was done food, and everybody was done. And then the system that we created was everyone has to pick up their stuff plus four things. So they had to take their own place setting plus four other things. Well, you've never seen a table get cleared so fast in our family <laughs> of four. Because you know what? What? They would always want to dive for the easiest things. So the salt and pepper and the napkins, they would dive for those things. And no one wanted to take the big casserole dishes and the pots and pans. So we got our dinner table cleared in seconds. So that's just an example of a system that will really help your family if you're having problems with that. So there's systems that will work in families if you create them. So everyone, how about everyone makes their bed before they start the day, before they come in for breakfast, the bed's made, then you don't have to say you didn't make your bed, things like that. It's a system. Everybody knows the expectation. Uh, when there's just the two of you, you can say, oh, you didn't make the bed. How about the system is, like we do, last one up makes the bed. It's a rule, it happens, and so there's no argument of whose job it is, it's just last one up makes the bed. Maybe you'll get up quicker too if you know you're the last <laughs> one that has to make the bed. 
Um, how about no one sits down or goes to another room until all the dishes are away? So the temptation in a lot of families is people get up and they go watch TV and then you have to drag them back into the room. The system could be no one is to sit down or go into another room until all the dishes are away. No phones at the table is another rule. Or how about someone, the person who cooks doesn't have to clean. So whoever cooks, someone else cleans up. So those systems can just really help just keep the, the peace in families. Yeah, I think when I think of those systems, I think if you look at your family life and you're seeing a reoccurring um, argument, reoccurring problem, Nagging, you know, all that kind of stuff, or else like, well, I'm having to repeat myself every day about this or that. Yeah. There's probably a lack of a system that you've put in place to say, okay, this is what we're going to do so that this problem doesn't happen all the time. And we don't have to just keep having this conversation over and over, right. which just, you know, makes uh, family life not as much fun. Um, how do we approach then conflict? Because conflict does happen. Well, Romans 12:18 says this, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That's kind of the goal of our talk here today. So how do we deal with when there is conflict, when there is a disagreement, when something has happened, somebody's feelings got hurt or whatever? There's four different principles that the scriptures speak about. And here's what they are. First one is deal with it immediately. Don't, don't buy into the idea of, well, you know, we've had this conflict, but you know what? Time will resolve it. Time doesn't resolve it. Usually time just makes it worse because then when you bring it up to that person, they've maybe forgotten some of those details or maybe you've compiled some more offenses along the way. So deal with it immediately. Second of all, deal with it privately. In other words, not every conflict requires a family meeting. You can just have a one-on-one -on -one with that person and discuss it. The third thing is this, deal with it directly. Don't skirt around the issue. You know, don't sort of talk about things that are kind of related to it. Talk about exactly what happened. This is what happened. This is what took place. And this is how it made me feel. Now, notice as I said that, there's no sense of judgment in what's being said. I'm just letting the person know the facts about what happened and how it impacted me. And then finally, do it with an attitude of reconciliation. In other words, when we go to speak to someone about a, a disagreement or a conflict or something like that, we're not going to kind of give them a piece of our mind and get even or anything like that. No, we're just going because what do we want to do? We want to bring peace into the relationship. We want to resolve it. We don't want it to reoccur. So we go with an attitude of reconciliation. Right. And another important thing in approaching conflict is don't judge motives. And what that means is judgment is about speaking to why someone did what they did rather than just speaking to what happened. So instead of just, you know, this is what happened, we label people. Judgment labels people. So for an example of that is if a coffee cup is left lying around, we can judge when we go past that coffee cup and think to ourselves, wow, they're so inconsiderate. Man, they're so lazy. They may come across to you as, as lazy, but they might not even notice it. So there's a judgment in that. Or they could come across to you bossy. That person could come across to you bossy in what they say. Maybe they're just trying to be helpful. So be super careful that you don't just attach a judgment to what happened. So when something happens, instead of judgment, just talk about it like Dennis said, directly. Address what happened directly and believe that they have their, your best interests at heart. 
And it's really important because in 1 Corinthians 13, one of the most known scriptures that we do at weddings is, it says, 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, love believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And the Amplified, it says, love is ever ready to believe the best of every person. So that just speaks to the attitude that we're to have. It's we're always supposed to believe the best, not judge them for what we see. Because we really don't know what people are doing. We don't really know what they're thinking or their motives for doing what they do. Maybe they've just never been taught something. So it's wrong when we address it with your being inconsiderate, coming with that judgment when, we, when there's a problem, when there's a conflict. Because judgment damages relationships by accusing people. And what happens when we're accused or labeled? We get defensive. Right. So the whole thing becomes defensive. Instead, handle the situation directly by saying, here's the problem, how can we fix it? So just be direct with your communication and don't be judgmental. And the next thing in our conflict resolution is exercise restraint. And this is so important during COVID-19. There's so many areas that we have to have restraint oh, for. Man. What are some of the things that we've had to well, exercise? Well, I'll tell you, um, you know, when I think of exercise restraint, I, I think sometimes it's about our eating, of course. Mm -hmm. um, last week around our office, for the few of us that are here, we had donuts dropped off. Thank you very much. Um, so then, uh, you know, as the week went on, uh, I was involved, we were both involved in a drive-by birthday party where we got donuts handed to us. I think that was the same day. Yeah, <laughs> then, then on, on the weekend, my son and daughter-in-law came by and made donuts at our house, and uh, somewhere in there, there was cookies as well. Yep. So, cake, um, cake. yeah, restraint has been a challenge, I'll, I'll say that. But um, let's yeah. talk about it in terms of relationships. Yeah, and so there's obviously the, the restraint that COVID-15 people are talking about. But, COVID-19. Uh, COVID-19, but yeah. pounds. Um, oh, yeah, so, yeah. right. <laughs> uh, but there's other types of restraint. And during this time, restraint with our emotions is really important with yeah. our emotions. Because I know there's lots going on, and we really have to watch our emotions. I know, you know people have had meltdowns during this time. I know I've had to watch, watch my emotions during this time. But the other area we've got to practice restraint is in our words. And this is in Proverbs 10, 19. It says, when there are many words, transgression is unavoidable, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Right. So we really need to have not only restraints with our eating, but restraints with our lips. And you know, I've noticed that when we're working all day long, we're going to work, we're really kind and considerate to people at work when we're dealing with people at work. We should be also having that kind of kindness and consideration and restraint in the home as well. Let's have the same practice that we practice at work towards our home and our family. And why is this so important? Because we can damage the relationship when we're handling issues, when we're handling these conflict issues. We can really cause damage to the relationships. We can be tempted to get frustrated about something, and, but we know what we need to really do. We need to really ask ourselves, I'm frustrated about this, my emotions want to go off, but is it really worth it? So an example is, let's say the wife is mad and you're going to something, is it really worth it to, on the way to that event um, that you're late for, just let it, letting it all out, getting angry, blowing up? I think it's better to go in and have a lovely time and then address the issue another time. Yes, our issues are important, they're worth addressing, but Think about, is it really worth it at this time to blow up and just cause a, an awful atmosphere before we go in? 
The other thing that sometimes we do is when we come in the door and there's a mess or our kids are doing something wrong or someone's left the house a mess, um, what atmosphere are you creating when you're coming in the door? Ask yourself, do I really want to address it at this time? Do I really want to come in and just blow the atmosphere so that we're all tense? We're responsible for the atmosphere we, we create when we go anywhere and where we're, when, wherever we are. We're responsible for that atmosphere. So ask ourselves, is it really worth it at this time? Address it, but address it later. And Proverbs 17.1 says, Better is a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. Mm-hmm. And what that scripture is really pointing out to is really thinking about the atmosphere that we're creating, the goal that we should be having. Our goal should be a peaceful, loving atmosphere uh, in our home or wherever we go. It's your responsibility to create that. Right. Um, you know, how we express our concern um, when we are dealing with, you know, challenges or disagreements uh, is really important. In other words, how we bring up that conversation, it can either be done, you know, tastefully and tactfully and with self-control, or it can be done in a way that comes off harsh and comes off as uh, what I heard one guy call a hard startup, if you will, in the conversation where it's almost like attacking and then immediately they're defensive. So our concern can be valid, but the key is how we express it and how we deal with it. One of the uh, places where restraint is really important is in dealing with these disagreement issues because without restraint, what happens is we can speak from a place of anger or frustration or just weariness or being offended or being upset. And, and typically, you know, you're speaking then out of your upset emotions. Well, that's what's going to come back at you is more upset emotion. Proverbs 16.21 says this, that a wise, mature person is known for his understanding. The more pleasant his words, the more persuasive he is. You know, a lot of the time that restraint has to do with just how we introduce the problem that we want to resolve. And if we speak in the moment, like when, when it's happening, and we speak quickly and we share how we feel we're probably not as likely to exercise the restraint that we should. However, if we wait, calm down, maybe even set a time when we're going to talk that's more appropriate, then we're probably going to have a far better interaction uh, and get the job done without all of the unnecessary emotional baggage that could be there. Now, the topic didn't change. The issue was still the same, but the results of the conversation would be distinctly different just because you exercised restraint. Well, we want to begin to wrap up, and 1 John 1.7 says this. It says, if we are living in the light of God's presence just as Christ does, then we have a wonderful fellowship and joy with each other, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. You know, this is a promise that as we live our lives in fellowship with the Lord, that there's a promise of great relationships with each other, that we can have fellowship and joy with each other. And as we share here today on Mother's Day, that's our prayer for you. That, that's our faith for your home, that your home will be a great place of fellowship. It will be a place of joy, uh, that, that your experience, even during this, this time, wouldn't feel like, oh, we went through, remember that time we had to spend a few months and we couldn't go out of the house? Instead, it'd be more like, wow, wasn't that great that we all got to spend so much time together and do things together and had time that we never would have had before? That's our prayer. That's our faith. That's our belief for your home. 
you know, this scripture talks about having wonderful fellowship and joy with each other, but it also talks about living in the light of God's presence. And maybe as you're hearing this, you realize, you know what? I don't think I live in the light of God's presence. Jesus came and died on the cross and the Bible says he's paid for the sins of the world. That includes you. But if we haven't opened our heart up and, and welcomed Christ into our lives, then we haven't received the forgiveness and we haven't received the presence of God into our life like he has promised us. And so right now, I wanna give you that opportunity to do that. We're gonna say a prayer as we close here right now that I wanna invite you to pray along with us. And this is your opportunity to welcome the presence of God by receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So if you would just pray this along with us, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross and paid for my sins. I ask you to forgive my past and I invite you into my life. I confess you as my Lord and my Savior and I thank you that I can live in the light of your presence in my life and in my family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with us, we welcome you to text us. Uh, you can text the word celebration to 76,000 and we'll respond back to you and be able to give you some information online that we can send to you that'll help you grow and do well in your walk with God. Well, happy Mother's Day, everybody.